0: Welcome back to the MCU Exchange Podcast. I'm Caleb, and I've got with me today Rhiannon. Uh, Unfortunately, Adam is not feeling well this week, so we um, will not have him with us. But the two of us are going to make do and uh, talk about all the news, right, Rhiannon? Yeah, buddy. We definitely have a a little bit of a different show. Usually we do some news, we do Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then we have like a a big discussion. Um, This week there was a lot of little news stories, but not like anything that just begged um, for us to talk about it for a long time. So we're going to just do a super packed of overflow news section for the first half. We'll talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and then that'll be about it. So we are going to jump into it. Uh, The first thing that we need to talk about is a lot of news coming out about a property we didn't even know was in development. So, Rihanna, go ahead and tell us what's going on, and um why it's kind of surprising
1: all right. So this all started as a random tweet that we've seen, and there's um it's it's this Hawaiian film industry um Twitter account and It's called Real News Hawaii, and they, this week, announced, you know, hey, there's buzz on the island that there are two rival productions could be swimming in our waters, Aquaman and Submariner. So Submariner is a Marvel property, but it's one that we have not heard anything about being in production. But there are a lot of signs that it might actually be possible. And we have a lengthy article on our site if you want to know like how we pieced all that together. But what it comes down to is, you know we we didn't entirely know that Marvel had this property back until kind of recently. Um, but n- over the years, we've gotten um uh, finally last year, Joe Quisada with Marvel confirmed that and namor is that how you pronounce
0: i think so yeah when i was a kid i always (laughs) called him the submariner which i know now is totally wrong so but yeah i think it's namor (laughs) this is the submariner
1: okay namor um that namor was back at home with marvel so so they marvel has submariner has the rights to this property and We also know that in relation to Inhumans film, Marvel has bought a production facility in Hawaii. So they have a studio in Hawaii. And they're most likely going to want to do more with it than eight episodes of Inhumans. Yeah. So even though Inhumans is supposed to be really big, we haven't heard about anything else that was going to be filming in Hawaii. Now they're filming all over the globe. We have Thor filmed in Australia. We have, you know, Black Panther, I believe, is going to South Africa. Yeah. And I... South Korea. Yeah, and South Korea. And and I mean Hawaii does a great Asian look to it in parts. Um you know, it could be that Marvel just wanted to have this studio. You know, of course they can rent it out to other people. It, but it could be that they have a plan and that there's a Submariner aspect to being in Hawaii. So all of this was just sort of us piecing stuff together. And then tonight, we there's a weekly list of projects in production. And I mean, it's really just a list of titles. And when that came out today, there was a title on it of Submariner. So that means that there is a project that is out with the title or a project in production with the title Submariner.
0: Right, and that's now, not a working title either. Like that's right. that's the official title of it, which
1: right. has to be
0: Marvel. I mean that would be a huge like trademark copyright thing if it wasn't them.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it would have a special note on it if it was a working title. Um, but that's all we know. You know, this list includes movies and TV shows. So uh, we, there is, you know, on the TV show side, there has been this unnamed John Ridley project in development that they've never said what it is, what the plans are. It's supposedly an ABC project. So this could be that. It could be one of the unannounced movies. It could be a cartoon. And the whole thing with the production studio in Hawaii is completely unrelated. We don't know. And who knows, by the time the podcast is uploaded, we might know more. Yeah. So, Caleb, are you excited?
0: I don't know if I'm excited because it just... I can't, I can't figure out what this is. I mean, I really don't think it's a movie. Um, there's just no place in the um, in the release like space until like the fall of two thousand and nineteen. So I don't think that they're gonna start talking about production and said. I mean, it doesn't help the Hawaii thing. I mean, to it's not gonna bring an immediate production to Hawaii.
1: So and I think all it's worthwhile to note, this, this list, I don't think it had, like, Captain Marvel on it. Right. I mean, I can go back and check, but...
0: Yeah, that list generally puts things as they're about to go into production. I mean, as, as, as I understand it, I'm not an expert in these things, but this is the same source that we used um, for Cloak and Dagger and for Runaways early in January. They announced that those were about to start production and they're sure enough going to production like now. And so this suggests that whatever this project is, the cameras are going to start rolling by this summer, which is it's just so bizarre. It doesn't make any sense. It when you look at the history of it, I don't think it's movie because it can't fit into the release schedule. Um, I don't think it's Netflix because it'd be totally a separate universe from them. Uh, Even with the TV stuff, both Runaways and Cloak and Dagger, we heard about a long time before they started casting or anything. And so the only thing that makes sense to me is that they've got Inhumans lined up for the fall, and then this is going to be another eight-episode thing in the spring. And if this is the case, by the way, I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is in gigantic trouble. Because, like, one of the things that makes Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. viable to me is that they're not going to take the risk that next spring there's going to be no Marvel on ABC. If this is an ABC project, then I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is in far shakier ground. Because it can replace those, those slots in the spring. But it's just weird. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to think about it. I love the character of Namor just because he's unusual. Um, he's got this arrogance. And this moral uh, ambiguity about him. Uh, He's just very selfish. There's this idea that he cares about his people. And he cares about his society. You know, Atlantis underwater, all that kind of stuff. And if you threaten the seas, he will slit your throat. And he doesn't doesn't care if you're Captain America or if you're Thanos. If you're getting in his turf, he'll take you out. And so that's a very not-sympathetic character to try to... Make people like, um, but it's also a great character study. They've done a lot of great stuff with him and Black Panther and Black Bolt and Doctor Strange and these characters that we call the Illuminati. There was this whole thing in a late uh, Avengers run that had uh, written by Jonathan Hickman that was kind of about kings and how kings look at things differently than even a hero does or a politician does. So I think there's a lot of places they can go. It's just a lot of things about this makes this feel fake. Like this isn't really happening. But the sources that we have now are, you know, the production schedule comes from the same place. We got Cloak and Dagger and Runaway news, which is definitely happening. And the tweet came from, I think, the same group that told us that Inhumans was filming in Hawaii long before that was revealed anywhere else as well. So it seems real. I just I don't know what to do with it.
1: And I think like the way you just described his character and the plots involved sounds a lot like television these days. The bad, you know, the the bad character, the anti-hero that everybody ends up pulling for, it sounds like modern television. So I'm leaning towards it being that John Ridley project. If it's true. Yeah. That would I'm like be John Ridley project or like something else entirely that we haven't considered.
0: Yeah, I don't I mean, the thing to me is that ABC ABC has to be working on something. We know that we've heard about the John Ridley project, but I just know the Agents of Shield is not doing well in the ratings. It might get a fifth season, but honestly I can't imagine it going beyond that i mean at this point it's either does it wrap this year or do they give it you know one more year to kill itself um so agents of shield is not a long-term future for abc and marvel in humans is exciting but it's an eight episode miniseries so they can't replace a 22 episode show with an eight episode show and so they've got to be working on something if they want ABC television to be part of Marvel's portfolio and vice versa. And I think Disney does want that happening. And so if I had to guess, this is a thing that ABC's got up their sleeve as the next generation in the future of what they're doing. And that maybe we're gonna get two or three like mini series a year out of ABC and they're gonna try this eight episode format. That's just all purely guess. I hope it's only eight episodes. As much as I think Namor will be interesting, I think 22 episodes of Namor would be a terrible idea. So I'm hoping it's uh, an eight, eight episode ABC thing, a lot like the Inhumans thing, and it'll be basically the spring Marvel uh, show. So, But we're, we're still in the dark. I mean, we're reporting on it because it seems like it's real and we have good sources for it. But it's totally unusual. Marvel has never had something that has snuck up on us quite like
1: this. The upfronts are coming. I think they happen in March or maybe May. I'd have to look that up. But, you know, if it is ABC, ABC will have the upfronts. And that's where they usually announce big stuff like this. So we can maybe get a feel of it then. Well,
0: and just one more thing real quick about all of this. You're talking about the new facility they have in Hawaii. Um, that's significant to me because that tells me that they really are ready to ratchet up production. You know, like one of the things that we've been talking about for a while with the MCU is how much more can they expand? Uh, they film so much of their stuff either in Atlanta or in London And there's been times where there's barely been room available. Like Disney's basically booked out the studios they use in London to do all the Star Wars stuff. And Marvel basically owns that place down in Atlanta at this point. And so like there was this thought of with three movies a year and three Netflix shows a year and a bunch of other stuff. How much capacity does Disney have to even do any more Marvel things? And buying a facility and retrofitting it and getting it ready for production in Hawaii tells me that they're trying to increase their production. They're trying to create more places where they can film this stuff. And that just means there's more content coming. All right, let's um, move on to the big news that hit Friday night. Kind of interesting timing. Facebook... Uh, had a a kind of Q&A with uh, Robert Downey Jr. about Infinity War, which was very uneventful, not all that interesting. They kind of revealed that Tom Holland was in Infinity War at that point. But almost immediately (laughs) or right before it, uh, we got a video on on Twitter that was just like a production has started, let's get hyped and excited about Infinity War video. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I'd say go, go look at it right now. Um, there wasn't too much in it. There was a little bit of footage with Tom Holland and Chris Pratt and Robert Downey Jr. on a set with like a lot of um, like ruins of some place that looks like it had been exploded with a big screen screen, and um, they also showed a few um, like drawings of thanos and there's a drawing of tony stark trying to build like a army of iron man robots which again how could that go wrong it's not like he just did that um but anyways it was just this thing and it really was like it got you emotionally pumped um but there wasn't a lot of info in it either we did find out that spider-man's definitely in this movie which we all thought and we had heard from like Italian vogue or whatever, but this was for sure. Uh, the other thing that I think is somewhat significant is we know the Iron Man is in this movie. Everybody kinda scoffs at that, like, well of course he is. And I think so too, but this was the first time that he has been confirmed. I've seen several articles online where people said, Oh yeah, he's definitely in it, but they had no source. And so we know for sure now he's there, he's part of what's going on. And uh, that's good to see. Rhiannon, did you did you enjoy this? Do you like seeing a hype video like this, or is it possible that getting people excited about a movie that's not happening for another sixteen months is maybe a little premature <laughs> on the uh, commercial side?
1: For me, no hype is too much hype. That's I think that's one of the things that I really really love about the MCU is that. There's great hype, you know. They they just they understand, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's a chicken egg thing, but I I mean, Infinity Wars was just like another movie on the calendar, and I know it's a big thing. I mean, I've been writing for the MCU Exchange for like nine months now, and I feel like from day one I was writing things. About the 67 characters. Considered for Infinity War. So we know it is a huge. Huge. Thing. And. I mean this was like nine months. I've been writing about this. And we're just now seeing. People. Yeah people at work on it. And it's actually getting going. And this is a production. That's going to last a year. In itself. No, I I loved seeing it. It was great. And then just seeing, I mean, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Chris Pratt, and Tom Holland all standing together on the set. I mean, Tony Stark, Spider-Man, and Peter Quill. Two years ago, would you have thought that you'd have seen the three of them standing together?
0: On a set. Um, Probably, because I i mean, we know this is coming for a long time as far as the Infinity War. But yeah, I get with what you're Spider-Man saying. Spider-Man that and... That's true. That's
1: true. You know, yeah. it's just... it—it's—it's it's, To me, it's an amazing group of people to finally be on the same set, to finally all be together. I still, like, any time that I think about it and I'm like, oh, it's going to have the Guardians and they're going to be working with Thor and we i mean the the in that set of stuff there was the picture of thor and rocket yeah and just thor and rocket i mean that's the type of thing that you see in the comics you see like these characters of all crazy differences coming together but in movies and, and stuff like that, you don't see that kind of crossover. So it's the type of magnificent, wonderful crossover that's been building up since the beginning of the MCU and and they talk about that in the video, you know, building up to this since the very beginning. Yeah, stuff like that gets me very excited. So yes. Yeah. I, I enjoy the hype train. I think the um the image that
0: I'm waiting for that'll probably really get me that way is uh like Drax and the Hulk. I don't know why, but just like the idea of the two of them like looking each other up and down like, can I take this guy? Will be really cool, you know? And the more I start to think about the individual um, pairings, you know, like imagining Captain America and Tony Stark and Star-Lord in a three-way conversation. And like, I just feel like Star-Lord could like, mitigate that conflict a little bit where like you know like he gets the altruism of cap a little bit but then he also like gets the snark of tony and so for him to be like listen guys i kind of get i get it for both of you or just the fact that star lord is um a man out of time a guy who still thinks of earth as like being 1983 but it's now today. Like he kind of has a cap thing going. I just think all of those interactions are going to be so much fun. It's so cool. And you know, like rocket just making fun of people is going to be hilarious. I can imagine like the first time rocket sees Hawkeye, he's going to be like, you're freaking kidding me. He's got arrows, you know, like, yeah, it's just going to be great. Yeah. I think oh, yeah. the other thing that I really loved about that video, and this is a stupid thing, but they had this like big copy of infinity gauntlet on the desk with like all these post-it notes in it. And <laughs> I mean, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that when they did age of Ultron, nobody had a copy of age of Ultron on the desk. Cause it's just nothing like the comics at all. And so the fact they, like, are clearly combing through the source material tells me that this is going to be faithful to a comic storyline in the way that not many Marvel movies are. And that's kind of cool. I think that's going to be really fun, you know? Yeah. All right. Um, Moving along from that. Um, The other big thing that happened is this week, Doctor Strange came out on DVD and digital release. If you've, well, you've seen it, but if you want to own it, you can uh, go ahead and go out to your Best Buy or uh, Amazon or iTunes or whatever and buy Doctor Strange right now. And there's a featurette on it. I've not got to see this yet where they show a bunch of behind the scenes stuff for, phase three and the movies that are coming up. And one of the things that we got was a bunch of behind the scenes, um, storyboards and stuff for Thor Ragnarok. So this included Hulk and Thor fighting each other in a gladiatorial ring. We have a image of Hela with Loki and Thor, and it looks like she's in a New York city scene. Cause there's like, AC units, like in the windows, you know, all up and down that, that alley. Um, there was also some shots that we think may be the beginnings of a fight with Surtur, but we can't really tell. It's all green screeny. Um, Rhiannon, I'm sure you've seen these pictures. Uh, did you like the designs? Did you like how Hela looked? Is this getting you pumped up for Thor Ragnarok?
1: Yeah, I mean... I I don't have big expectations for Thor Ragnarok. Just, I'm not as familiar with that source material. Um, The previous Thor movies, like, I watched them. I remember Loki being entertaining, but they don't stand out in my memory as much as some of the other MCU movies do. So I go this is one I'm going into with no expectations. The the pictures of like the women with the hats um, Hella with the with the AC units. Yeah, that's the AC units. I think we behind the scenes had a bit of conversation on that like does do, do they have those? On other planets, what's the climate in Asgard like exactly? <laughs> you know, yes, yes, does downtown Asgard have like a neighborhood? Yeah, um, yeah, it made us think a little bit, but it, it's we know they're going to New York, so it's probably New York. So, um, yeah, to me, they're cool photos because I enjoy all the behind the scenes stuff but none of it really stood out to me as anything. Yeah, I have no expectations for it. The woman with the red stripe over her mouth though, I just thought that was a really cool. Yeah, you know, it's a random probably I have no idea how important that is to the plot or w- anything, but visually I just thought that was very neat. Um as far as Hella, yeah, that was an imposing picture. Um So we'll see. This is one, see, this is one that for me I need a really long hype, hype period so that they can get me excited. And I am sure that by the time, you know, it's as close as Guardians 2 is, I'm sure I will be thoroughly hyped for this one. Especially if they keep giving me Daryl and Thor.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I think that for me, um, I think I've said this maybe even on the podcast before. Like, I'm so excited about the gladiatorial battle, the Hulk Thor thing, that if they do that right, they've got, you know, free reign to do whatever they want with the rest of the movie. Like, that's what I really want. And those scenes look cool. You know, Hulk has got this, like, huge battle axe. I just think it all looks like it should look and it has the right feel to it. Um, So that was, that's cool. I just think this movie, um, sometimes movies have so many ideas and try so many things that they just fail because it feels like a a gathering of scenes, but it's not like a movie. And I just, that's the concern. Everything I see out of this is so different and so bizarre, and there's so much stuff that I I really want to see a trailer. So I can get a sense of like, oh, this is one unit. Like, this is a movie that tells one story. Instead of, we gave Taika Waititi, you know, a $200 million and said, go have fun. And everything that came into his head, he just put on film. You know, like, I just want to see the unity of it before I can know exactly what I think. Uh, you mentioned we also got a new... Uh, Thor and Daryl uh, in their flat talking about, you know, normal everyday life. Um, I enjoy those. I think you do too. Most people seem to have fun with them. Does that character though, does that Thor strike you as the same Thor in the movies? Or is this just fun? Like they haven't talked about if it's canon or not. I can never figure out if that's how Thor would really be in real life. Or if this is just too over the top and it's just, it's for fun, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to the character.
1: You know, it's funny you say that because when I was watching it, I was kind of like, Thor, I mean, this is beyond, like, the first one, it was kind of just funny and, you know, he could be a little bit oblivious. But this one, it was purely Thor being a jerk and and sort of rubbing it in and I, I don't know i i don't feel like it was fully in character i don't want to think that that's what thor is like or what he would be like in everyday earth um i i, I feel like his character is a little bit more caring and a little bit more interested in learning about the stuff of Earth. So uh, they're funny because they're just funny. Uh, there was also like a behind-the-scenes pic of him leaving Milnar on the toilet so that poor Daryl couldn't get to it. But uh, I, yeah, yeah, I felt it, it, it made me not like Thor a little I mean, I enjoy looking at him, but as far as personality.
0: <laughs> it, it's kind of a bizarre thing, too, because I think what they're doing is they're highlighting the humor of YTT as a director and what he brings to Thor. But this one for me, for whatever reason, was just so kind of over the top um, humorous that I'm hoping the whole movie is not like this. Like as much as I enjoy this, this is a great YouTube video. It is not going to make for a good two hour movie, you know? And so I'm just, I'm, I'm worried that they're just being a little overindulgent with the humor. I don't know. The thing may all work out. It's just, this movie seems like the riskiest thing that they've done since Guardians. And I hope it comes off. And I love, um, YTT as a director And I think I've said on the podcast, I love Hunt for the Wilder People, but I don't know. It's just, it's so weird. There's just so much weirdness in that movie. I don't know what to do with it all.
1: Yeah, but we didn't only get images from Thor on that video. That's true. We also, we also got some um, of Wakanda from the upcoming Black Panther movie. And we've seen some concept art of Wakanda, but we haven't seen anything as far as what they've settled on. So now we have some images of a very modern Wakanda, you know, with skyscrapers and lots of glass. There's um, some images of T'Challa. Yeah, very Black Panthery. y um, Caleb, do you have thoughts on these?
0: You know, the one thing that was really interesting, I didn't notice them at first. I'd actually heard some guys on another podcast talk about it a little bit. Um, what you see in a couple places is that as a society, this Wakanda is really trying to preserve the past. So there's like a shot where there's skyscrapers, but then there's like old like mud hut looking buildings that they've kind of like protected so that they like remain preserved. And then like the meeting room of the Elder Council or whatever has these like um these windows that show like a rock face where there's all these fossils and stuff. And so there's this idea that Wakanda in this universe believes in kind of preserving the past and staying true to your roots or whatever. And I think that's all really interesting and I think visually it foreshadows what's going to be a real central question in this plot plot of this movie is when you have a history and a culture, but you also want to move forward and be part of the modern world, what can you keep and what can you not keep? And I just I can see there being these conflicts where there's these people that want nothing to change in the same way that they're trying to preserve these fossils and these ancient buildings. They're going to want to kind of preserve the culture as it was under T'Chaka, and so then T'Challa comes in and says, "You know, we can try this or that. We can kind of develop as a society," and that that tussle between. Young blood wanting to bring in new things to a culture, but at the same time, the older folks kind of want to make sure they don't lose anything. I think that generational, dynastic change thing is probably going to be attention. And I do think it's pretty amazing that that stuff can be seen even in the visual art of what this place is going to look like. And so it, it just sets up plot for me a little bit. And again, I'm kind of borrowing some of those thoughts from things I've heard elsewhere, but um, I just think that's a cool thing that they're going to set up. And it makes a lot of sense um, with the character of Black Panther and the way that he's a modernizing influence in his society
1: and all that kind of stuff. That's that's really deep. I I hadn't even noticed like the glass over the historic architecture. But now that you've pointed it out, I'm obsessed with it. So, very cool.
0: All right, we also have got some casting for uh, Cloak and Dagger. And, you know, full disclosure here, neither Rihanna nor I are big fans of Cloak and Dagger. But we are going to do our best to talk about this for you guys. Um, We've got six new characters. And I'm going to run through the actors and actresses real quick and who they're going to play. Um, Andrea Roth, who's been in Rescue Me and Blue Bloods, is going to play Melissa Bowen. Um, and then Tyrone's mother is going to be Adina Johnson. Um, and she's going to, oh, That's the name of the character. And she's going to be played by Gloria Rubin, who's been in ER and Mr. Robot. Um, Tyrone's father is going to be played by Miles Mussenden, who's been in Bloodline and Queen Sugar. Um, and then there's going to be a character named Liam, played by Carl Lundstedt, who's been in Grey's Anatomy and Conviction. Um, and then there's going to be, a, I think, a new character to the show called Dr. Bernard Um, Sanjo or Sanyo. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Uh, And that's going to be played by James um, Saito, who is in Life of Pi and The Devil's Advocate. Uh, It's interesting when they're going to a movie from, what, 1993 with The Devil's Advocate or something like that. Um, And I'm just guessing here, uh, given that he's a doctor and... um, He's kind of uh, an unusual relationship. They say in the cast description, I'm guessing that this guy is going to be the one that experiments on them or gives them access to whatever gives them their powers in the original comic. It was them doing like drugs. There was some sort of drug culture, drug testing thing. And so I'm guessing that this guy is going to be where the powers come from. Um, and then the last character is J.D. Evermore is the actor from True Detective and The Walking Dead. And he's going to be a character named um, Detective Connors. Um, the weird thing about this is we get a set of parents for both characters. Um, in the comics, these kids are on the streets. They're on the run. They've kind of dropped out of high school and are living out uh, on their own. Um, but here we have parents, uh, which seems to suggest they're still related and connected to their house. Uh, do you think it's a good idea for this show to make this a little more typical and domestic? Or are they losing something by kind of losing this aspect of kind of these runaway kids?
1: Well, I think it's possible with, like you were saying, with the doctor. Perhaps, perhaps we're getting more of an origin story. And maybe not even, you know, not even just like, not like the Daredevil origin story where he has his powers and he's figuring out how to be a hero. But, you know, we're on TV. It's going to be a draw or um, let's see, it's going to be on Freeform. Maybe it's going to be a story where we learn why they leave their parents or why they end up on their own. And I mean, I know we also have Runaways, which is literally Runaways. You know, they're they're running away from their parents. But this one, um, you know, perhaps going in that direction. I, it, I feel that this is a show that, you know, so few people know about, know, know the whole story. Maybe they're just going to go in all kinds of directions with it. So I think, yeah, I mean, I think having parents... And who knows? They could have casted those parents for two episodes. We we don't know. I I don't see anything in the information about them being series regulars or, you know, long-time regulars or anything like that. How many episodes they're going to be in. Um, There's all kinds of ways to go with it. Yeah. Um,
0: The thing that you said that terrifies me is the idea that maybe... Oh yeah, that'll take them forever to get their powers. If I am forced, and by forced I mean force myself, to watch like four episodes of freeform high school drama before I get to see any cloak and daggering happening, I just might rip my eyeballs out. You know, <laughs> like, I want to see this show for the superhero stuff. I'm going to stomach the teenage romance stuff so that I can see Cloak and Dagger. And so, if they do it that, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I think that makes a lot of sense. It just sounds terrible. I just am hoping that that's not what it is.
1: I know. I'm also hoping that it's not like them trying to figure out or, or, you know, get back to the doctor that gave them their powers, all of that, like like I feel like I endured through some version of a Luke Cage and that we're possibly looking for in the future with Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and wherever the Netflix universe is going, I'm like, I don't want it to be you know, figuring all of that out I guess I'm with you, I hope it's that they end up with powers and that we get to see them using them Right. and they're going on and there's no more of that mystery surrounding their origin and all of that um, But you
0: pointed out something good that there is a little bit of sameness between Runways and these guys, which in the comics is made very explicit because they, they cross over quite a bit. And they cross over because they're so similar as being teenagers that don't have parents that they can be around or trust, you know? But I can True. see where Hulu and Freeform want to make a distinguishing mark of some kind. The last thing they want to do is feel like they're doing copycat shows. And so yeah. I could see that actually playing into this as well.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, it could be that their parents are there. I mean, for all we know, their parents are in flashbacks. Right. Or, uh, you know, that they're living on one side of town and their parents are looking for them or something like that. Um, or one side ta- you know, one side of the country or something. Um, there's lots of places that this could go. There is, there was the interesting, there was one interesting note in this. I'm trying to remember which one it was. Yeah, most unusual relationship that the doctor has. But I think you touched on that. Um, Dr. Bernard has been an emotional cornerstone in Tyrone's life. They have a most unusual relationship. So I'm I'm with you that this doctor is going to be pretty important. Yeah.
0: Do you know any of these actors off the top of your head?
1: Um Evermore, JD Evermore, that's playing Detective Connors. He also played a sheriff in Rectify, and I just watched Rectify and I really enjoyed him. So I'll be interested to see. Yeah. And he's playing. Yeah. He's playing another law enforcement person and I can see him rectify, you know, very easily. Um, his character in rectify. I could see him being a new Orleanian. Yeah. Pretty well. So um, he's the only one I really knew and that I can get excited about.
0: Well, and I don't know any of them. And so I don't know what kind of role they had in these shows, but just reading through the shows they were on. I was very impressed that they had people that were from major network shows like ER and Grey's Anatomy and stuff like that, and they also have people that have been in um, really acclaimed shows or like kind of the HBO A and E shows like Walking Dead and True Detective and all that kind of stuff. It seems like these are people that are working and they're working on good shows or at least. Big Budget shows, so it's not like freeform went around and grabbed a bunch of parents from Disney Junior exclusives or something. you know, like they're finding people that have been on big time shows, and I think that's that's good for the show it's, it says something about the caliber to me, so
1: yeah, and that's where like you said yeah there's there's a lot of these where I'm like. Until we get some sort of teaser or trailer or something, I just will have no idea what to think or what to expect.
0: Yeah, and I think you said well that the fact that there's not a ton of like pre built fan audience makes a difference. Like, I feel like Marvel has this like sliding scale, and the more a character is known, the less you can screw with it. And the less a character is known, the more free range they'll give you. And so like Guardians of the Galaxy, nobody knew that property before it happened. And as much as James Gunn has honored the past of Guardians, the Guardians that we got in that movie was a unique creation. It was like a version of that team and a feel to that team that we honestly have never seen before in the comics. And they gave Gunn the space to do that because he's not destroying anybody's childhood. Whereas (laughs) I feel like Captain America, you know, like the first Avengers was really paint by numbers as far as the origin story. But it had to be because that's Captain America. Like you can't mess with that. And so this one seems to me to be really on that not many people care about it. Go ahead and go to town with the way you rewrite it. So, Exactly. Speaking of Guardians, um, we got a little bit of information about Guardians this week. Uh, Sean, uh, not Sean Gunn, um, James Gunn uh, was tweeting a little bit about some different things. Uh, the reason I said Sean Gunn is he confirmed that Sean Gunn is doing the um, the motion acting for rocket on infinity war. He didn't like the term somebody had used, but whatever the technical term is for it, um, guns acting is being used as the base for rocket in infinity war, just like it is in guardians. Uh, he promised us that we'd have even a better opening sequence than, um, star Lord dancing to, you know, come and get your love. I think in the first movie, I talked about how sometimes they have these comedic lines that they film when they're um, ad-libbing on scene or on set, and then they don't make the movies, but they go ahead and use them in the trailers just so the trailers are funny and they don't waste the footage. Um, And he also made a big deal about um, being a good 3D movie. Somebody was kind of being snarky with him about how Marvel's 3D conversion is usually kind of lame. Most people who love 3D feel like Marvel kind of mails it in. And he was like, no, we got an award for being the best 3D movie that year, and I care a lot about that, so this is going to be great in 3D. Um, Rhiannon, do you see these movies in 3D, or do you usually just do the 2D thing when you see a movie in the theater?
1: I honestly before Doctor Strange, I had actually never even stepped foot in an IMAX theater. I had seen maybe one other movie in 3D, but I went to Doctor but for Doctor Strange, I was like, yeah, this is one that I really want to see in 3D. It's probably really important to see in IMAX. And I was underwhelmed. I, I actually, Dr. Strange, I saw, cause I got to go to a, like a early showing of it that was on regular, you know, nothing special. And so I got to see it that way. And then I got to see it in 3d and it wasn't that difference to me. Like I had expected something far more and I was really underwhelmed with what the 3d experience gave me in addition to just the regular viewing. So that's the only one. I know when I watched Civil War, I had intended to see it in 3D. And just because of scheduling, I ended up seeing it in a regular theater. And that one to me felt like it had been filmed to be seen in 3D. And that there were moments that would have been a whole lot cooler if I had seen them in 3D, where it was like, you know, this particular fight scene, the angle is coming at me like it's meant to come at me a little bit more than it is on this 2D screen. So, um, I mean, I'm not saying I agree with whatever Troll was saying that their 3D is subpar, but I think it might be very movie specific. Yeah. And so I will probably see Guardians in 3D especially having those comments from him about it. I I will probably see it just just at this point to know.
0: Yeah, I've seen um starting with Guardians, I've seen every Marvel movie in 3D IMAX. And some of that for me is just like if I'm going to pay to go to the movie theater, I'm going to go all the way. My wife and I are the kind of people that we see like four movies a year at most. And so like, it's a, it's a big financial investment from at least her perspective for us to do this. And so I'm like, if we're paying for it, I'm going to go all the way and do something I definitely can't do in my living room, you know? Yeah. But you're right. It is very specific movie to movie. Um, Guardians was really good. Um, I very much enjoyed Ant Man in the 3D IMAX as well. Um, Doctor Strange was really cool. Um, I think I like Civil War better in 2D, which um, I'm not sure what that was, but there's something about the fight styles that the Russos do that I just didn't love in 3D. So, but you're right. I think it's really it's really hit and miss.
1: Maybe I was just bitter that I didn't get to go to the 3D showing I had planned. And so as I watched Civil War, I was just like, ah, I wish I was seeing this in 3D. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. (laughs) But honestly, the
0: only movie I've ever seen that I thought was like, the 3D was breathtaking was like Avatar. Uh, James Cameron does stuff Uh with the 3D that I don't think anybody else does. And I I still feel like a lot of directors just don't know what they're doing with it yet. So Um, so the other part of the Guardians news, in addition to these tweets, was that we have heard that there was a screening of Guardians and Marvel screenings are always friends and family only because they're worried about secrets and they're worried about moles coming in and taking information and leaking stuff. So you've got to know somebody who works at Marvel to get into these. But still, all of that considered, Guardians 2 has received a 100% rating from the test audience that they brought in. Which they say is the best that anybody's ever had. Uh, Avengers and Iron Man 3 had both been in the high 90s, but this one was 100%. Does this matter to you? Like, Do you care what the cousin of the sound producer, you know, like, or the the key grips like kid thinks about this, or is this kind of no news to you?
1: No, to me, this is tremendous. To me, this says that, yeah, like, somebody's uncle that got to go in, was cool with it, you know, so the action or whatever fulfills whatever he wants, you know, somebody's nephew, I don't know why I'm doing uncle nephew relationships, but you know, like <laughs> somebody, you know, the younger audience enjoyed whatever, yeah. you know, surely there's somebody there that was wanting plot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it means that the plot was fulfilling to me. This says that, Everything in this movie was fulfilling, yeah. You know, and if, if if it was common for them to have really high ratings like that, then it wouldn't mean a whole lot to me. But the fact that it doesn't happen and that it did hit all of those cylinders says that it is probably something. To just movies don't do that. You get bad ratings, you get early, especially like this far out from being released, they do screeners and stuff like that so that they can go back and tweak things. It's normal for things to be a little bit messed up and you need to go and maybe re-edit this scene so that you really get this point across. It's normal for there to be things that need to be fixed and for it to be this far from the release and... Essentially, the audience saying nothing needs to be fixed. I can't imagine what this movie is going to be. I I, I take back all of my vanilla ice cream comments from a few weeks ago. (laughs) To me, like that is some sort of assurance that no matter what I feel like I want to see that day, it's going to please me.
0: It's funny because I'm actually a little bit the opposite. Like I'm the Debbie Downer on this one. And I was there with you until I read the two previous highest ranked were Avengers and Iron Man three. Cause for me, like, you know, there's been 14 MCU movies and my number two is Avengers. I only like civil war better, but my number 13 is Iron Man three. I hate that movie. I mean, it's, it was the dumbest, uh, I just don't even understand how you have a movie that's about a guy in a cool mechanical suit and then you take away the suit for half of the movie, you know, like, why don't we go see a romantic comedy where nobody kisses, you know, like, I mean, what's the point of an Iron Man
1: movie without how the suit? A, how about we make a TV show about a bulletproof man and then create bullets that hit him? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I think the spoiler uh, period
0: for Luke Cage is gone, but yeah, you're right. No, you're right. It's just, anyway, I don't like Iron Man 3, but I also dislike Iron Man more than most people. So anyways, when I heard those were the top two, I was like, oh, so these audiences either love stuff I love or they love stuff I hate, you know, so I just don't know what to do with it.
1: Yeah, I'm going to continue to be excited.
0: <laughs> All right. I, you can, you I, can be positive. That's good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um.
0: So we've still got more <laughs> news to go through. Um, <laughs> Brie Larson talked a little bit about Captain Marvel this week, and I don't think we'll talk too much about this. We'll just let listeners know it happened. Basically, she just said she likes blockbusters, she wants to do a movie that's available to as many people as possible and that she's been talking to comic book fans about why they love the character. So I think that's really cool. Uh, When I wrote this up, I said, I think that's one of the best things about what John Bernthal did when he did Punisher was that he had the sense of what fans really love about that character. And so I love that she's doing that research and I think it's cool that she's got time to wrap her mind around it. I like this thing where they cast people, you know, kind of far out ahead so they can do their research and they can really get into the character instead of like casting them. And two weeks later, they're on set, you know?
1: Yeah. And, it, it, and yeah, I totally agree.
0: Uh, we also got a few um, Getty images from Defenders. And these may just be paparazzi shots, not necessarily them acting, but just the actors together. Uh they were laughing and hanging out on a subway. Uh we also heard that and I'm gonna butcher this name, uh Babs Olusan Mokun is gonna be a character named Sawande. Um, Rhiannon, you are our resident Netflix expert. Any thoughts about the subway shots, um, casting of this man named Babs? Uh, any other <laughs>
1: thoughts on any of this stuff? Oh, I have I have like weeks and weeks worth of thoughts. Um, but I can do some. The subway shots, I mean, obviously it was Luke, Jessica, and Matt. The first thing that stands out to me is that it's Luke, Jessica, and Matt and not Luke, Jessica, and Daredevil. And there were scenes on the subway, and then there were some more that came out later of them, like, sneaking around New York, and they were all in the same costumes. Um, for some reason, Matt Murdock is wearing a suit, but instead of his shirt and tie, he has on an NYPD shirt. But he still has, like, a suit jacket on. So, you know, how Matt lost his shirt is something that I have given way too much thought about. There's um, – and where's Danny. You know, it's the three of them, but there's no Iron Fist. And, you know, checking out Finn's Instagram, he's got, like, family in town that he's been showing around New York. So he hasn't skipped town, so it's not like he's not going to be in the final episode. And at this point, they've got to be at the final episode or close to it. They've got to be wrapping up Defenders filming soon. So I... I'm curious what's going on. What's Danny Rand up to while the three of them are taking public transportation. Um, And then this villain, this is the first bad guy we've learned anything about other than Sigourney. And he, we don't know anything about him. We know that he, according to IMDb, which isn't necessarily, The most reliable of sources, the way IMDb works, anybody can go in and put some credits with somebody. But there are enough things that, like, we know this guy is in The Defenders. There's set pictures of him with Luke. He And they're fighting in the set pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there's one with, like, Luke and Jessica, and then, like, he's just, like, photobombing them in this picture. So, yeah, it is obvious that he is in The Defenders. And he, yeah, he's fighting with Luke. So that's where we know, like, maybe he's not directly related to Sigourney's character or something, but he's not in there as a friend. So it's the first that we've learned of a, another person that they're going up against. We know nothing about him, we have no idea. But the one thing that somebody has brought up is. Um, this small plot in Uncanny Avengers, where, um, and I was just looking up what it was called because I've already forgotten. Um, what do you remember? the The Gardens of Ogun, is that what it was, or the Swamps? Yeah, something like that. I'm looking it up. It was in Uncanny Avengers. And it is um, this underworld, basically, where you can go to speak to the the dead, and where there are. Um, sorry, the world is the swamps of Ogun, and yes. this is a world where you know it's a mystical situation where you can speak to the undead, and just with the hand having this weird way that they we know they can bring back the dead. And these swamps were in Nigeria. If I'm understanding, I tried to go and look it up and I read about them. I didn't quite get the Nigerian connection. But according to one of our comic masters at MCU Exchange, this was the first thing he thought of when he saw that Sawanda was in Nigerian name. It just very much matches the mystical elements that we're seeing with the hand and that are coming up in the Netflix universe. So it might be completely unrelated to what they're doing. I like the idea of maybe having some connection to the dead and bringing stuff back. But um, either way, we know that this guy is there. And that it's another character. I mean, we there's all these people that we already know. But it seems like the villains are all a big mystery for the show.
0: Well, so, totally a pipe dream, but... I would love it if we could introduce Dr. Voodoo in this kind of setting and then let him like cross over to the Dr. Strange stuff. That would be really cool, but I'm not going to hold my breath on it. Yeah. But still, that'd be cool.
1: Yes. And that's what the Swamps of Ogun were related to Dr. Voodoo. Awesome. So that was how they got into all of that. But, yeah, I, I am not holding my breath for any crossovers between the films and TV. I, to me, I just assume all those possibilities are dead. Maybe they'll surprise me. But. Just keep low
0: expectations. Yes, Life expectations. will go, out well, go well for you. Yes. All right. Um, two more things that we wanted to get to. These are a little bit smaller. Uh, first of all, we found out that Michael Douglas is definitely back for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, There's not much more to that. Simple question. Uh, Do you want to see him ever, like, put on the Ant-Man gear and get, like, become Ant-Man again? Or are you okay with him just being Hank Pym, older statesman, and that being it for the rest of the time?
1: I've never had strong thoughts on that either way if he did put on the Ant-Man gear, I would want it to have a very, very specific reason for it to happen or for, uh, cause it would be so easy for that to just be a little like comedy gimmick. Right. But, um, I don't know. I'll wait to be surprised on that. Yeah.
0: I think I'm pretty happy with him just being around Like, I think that it's good for the MCU to have some like older characters that can kind of give some guidance, you know, like Nick Fury did that a bit and then he disappeared. So I would love the idea that you can have a scene where Tony and Hank Pym sit down and talk about the ethics of being a scientist or something, you know, like, I just think there's a lot of cool little scenes you can do like that, so. Last bit of news would be Black Widow. Um, So they interviewed recently Scarlett Johansson, and she basically said that she's talked to Kevin Feige, and as long as they can figure out the timing, as far as, like, schedules and when Marvel wants to do it and if she's available, that she thinks that Black Widow is definitely going to happen. Is that something you still want to see happen? Uh, Is this a good phase four movie or are we maybe, is it maybe, uh, has time passed for this to be a good idea anymore?
1: You know, that's what, when we talk about phase four and something like this, I'm just like, I have no idea where we're going to be after these infinity war movies. I have no idea what the universe is going to be, who are characters, you know, what are they going to go through, who's going, maybe it's a sign that she's going to be definitely surviving. You know, we don't know who's going to survive. I mean, if there's a Black Widow movie after Infinity War, it could be about her dealing with survivor guilt. You know, there could be something going on where she tries to save somebody and goes on to have some sort of survivor guilt or something. So if they, you know, I, I trust Marvel development at this point that if they think it's worth it for her to have a movie, I, I would be psyched to see that movie. I think her character is rich and strong. And we know at this point that no solo movies are ever truly solo movies. So, um, I'm not ready to say goodbye to all of these classic characters that we've had in our original Avengers. I, I, when I, yeah, because we talked a while ago about characters that may die. I don't really want to say goodbye to any of them. So, getting to hold on, so that to me says that even though they're moving forward, they would still be holding on to a little bit of the the older characters and giving them some due and letting her be perhaps a leader going for, well, I mean, she, she has been a leader, but giving black widow her due would be fantastic. So I just hyped myself up for it. So I think, yeah, I could be hyped for it. Yeah. We
0: were talking in our internal discussions at MCU exchange that it's just doing it the right way. I don't think any of us have a lot of appetite for like a uh, eighties era Soviet origin story for her. Like that's not something we're interested in, but like for me, it would be really cool to see them do like a mission impossible style movie and kind of have this. Um, I think it'd be cool to put a team around her or to put like operatives from different countries and they're kind of on a mission together but you're kind of waiting to see who's going to stab who in the back. You know, I think that could all be a really fun dynamic. Um, so it just, like you said, it depends on how they do it and um, what they do. All oh. right. So I think that is finally all of the news that we've had this week. Um, it's kind of nice to see this stuff picking up because it had been kind of dead for a while. So... We definitely enjoy seeing new things to talk about. Uh, That leaves us with our Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. conversation for the week. Um, We've both seen this episode as usual. I mean, we're not going to break down for you every event that happens. Um, Basically, this episode was uh, an assault on the base where the Superior was. And we have a scene between him and mace and then him and colson and then him and daisy and we also get a bunch of flashbacks of may and colson together a long long time ago before they ever were part of the shield as we know it um rihanna did you have anything you really liked about this episode anything you really didn't like just any thoughts about the episode as a whole
1: I think number one, Jason O'Mara's abs in this episode. I know there was plot. I know there were other important things. But Mace I I just Jason O'Mara, props to him. He did a great job. I know we had some discussions at the MCU Exchange this week about how Marvel, like as soon as an actor gets cast in Marvel, they somehow become very buff. And he looked fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I he... was
0: actually impressed by that, too. Like, he could kind of mail those things in. You know, like, he's a secondary character, or a recurring character. A lot of us think that he's a red shirt and he's eventually going to die this season. Yeah. So, like, he put in a lot of effort to look like a very a very strong dude.
1: Yeah, I mean, I started wondering if I had forgotten something last week about his character like being you know, there being a reason that he had like been inflated in some way. But yeah, Jason Americ America, wonderful job on the abs. Um and they they're really, really building this Colson May relationship, hammering it in and stuff. Um so that that's I, I'm ready for that to move along, um, but I'm sorry. When I kept trying to think of what happened, I keep going back to Jason O'Mara's abs. So what <laughs> do you do? You have anything that snap me out of this, man?
0: <laughs> I mean, I really enjoyed the banter between May and Coulson on their first mission, and kind of how goofy and almost meta it was about things. I think that Agents of Shield is at its best. When they are a little bit goofy and a little bit campy and just inject the humor into it, uh, that's why I thought the episode with Pat Oswalt was really solid. It's why I kind of like this one because there's a lot of humor with them um I just don't think this show does well when it tries to take itself too seriously, and so I thought that was good um. There was kind of this conversation between Mac and Simmons, uh, Fitz and Simmons, where, like, Mac was all up in Fitz's face about making stuff. Yeah. I hated that scene. Like, it just, Mac was being such an idiot. Because he's like, you know, people use this stuff and do damage with it, and you should, like, feel guilty about that. I wanted to be like, oh, really? You took a axe and attached it to a shotgun. You think nobody could use that to hurt people, too? But, you know, this is a guy that wields a gun every day of his life. And you could make the same philosophical argument about a gun or the airplane that they're in, that all of those things could be used for terrible stuff. I mean, people can use a steak knife for terrible stuff. And so... The idea that like Fitz shouldn't create anything, lest someone might use it for bad, just seems silly to me. You know, like it just—it it seemed like false. It was like necessary. False...
1: It was necessary to move forward. Simmons and Fitz coming back together and and lifting each other up. It was a necessary thing. No, Mac annoyed the crap out of me with that.
0: But it was necessary
1: for Fitzsimmons.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that was something that stuck out to me. The other thing I loved was the the little monologue between Coulson and the Superior, where Superior has been, like, obsessed with Coulson his whole life. And Coulson is like, listen... I, yeah, I don't care about you. You are one of 8,000 people that I fought in my life. In fact, I care about you so little that I'm going to let Quake come in here and kick your butt, and then I'm going to walk out and forget you existed. And it was just so, like, um, I mean, he just his nose was so high in the air and, like, just this arrogant, you-are-insignificant moment that I kind of like seeing that side of Colson. And it's like he did more damage to the superior than Quake could have done by just, like, being so humiliating of him. I thought that was kind of cool.
1: And to me, that moment was a little bit meta as well, because I think as Coulson was getting to that conclusion, I was getting to it as well as a viewer. I was like, (laughs) oh my gosh, how many villains have we had that have built up to all of this and they've been there for, like, two episodes and... I never remember them later. And then Colson went on that monologue and I was like, yes, yes. He doesn't remember them either. So I enjoyed that. Yeah.
0: Um, I am kind of excited about where we're set up for next week. Um, I've always felt like it's kind of interesting when they take Fitz and Simmons and make them sort of fight or be sort of physically engaged. Because they're so smart, but they don't have the same skills as everybody else does. And so this idea of sticking them on a base where you've removed all of the powerful people and you've left them to fight with like copies of those powerful people, I just think it's cool. It's kind of like, um, you know, what happens if the Avengers are mostly replaced by LMDs and Hawkeye and Black Widow are the only two who are left. You know, like, putting your depowered people in the center is kind of cool. And it, the preview for me of next week seemed kind of almost like a horror movie, where they're, like, trapped in a mansion with, like, all these monsters, you know? Yes. And I just think that could be really cool next week.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. And, I, I mean, I love the Fitzsimmons, so I'm glad they... Yeah, I, I have a feeling they'll come out of this even stronger, if not emotionally tortured.
0: Yeah, just as long as they don't drop somebody in the ocean so that they can't, like, use their cognitive <sighs> processes for a whole year. There's no more of that.
1: <sighs>
0: <laughs> it does well. seem like this is going to be the last episode next week for this pod. I mean, I'm kind of praying that that's true. Like last week is the last I need of the LMDs before we move on to something else.
1: Yeah, I, I, it just seems like there's so much, I mean, not that I'm wanting more of the LMDs, but this is a lot of plot to wrap up. So something big is going to have to happen for this to, for this pod to be as neatly wrapped up and gone. As the Ghost Rider. I mean, Ghost Rider pod was over. We didn't see any more Ghost Rider. I don't even know if we heard about him more. So if they're going to wrap up LMDs that easily, there's going to have to be some major movement next week.
0: Yeah, I can see that. So I guess it all depends on whatever's next. Uh, for some reason, I think Ada's going to continue on into whatever's next. So we'll just have to we'll have to see last yeah. I checked. Um, we've only heard that there's going to be next week's episode. I haven't seen a release date for anything else. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we definitely have a full podcast here. So yeah. Um. thanks for sticking through all this news, Rihanna. And I know, I know. a lot of different stuff.
1: Gosh, Adam's going to have to come back just to lighten the load. it was a lot to talk about this week
0: well and for all we know next week we'll be talking about the you know (sighs) Namor series on the food network or something (laughs) i mean (laughs) whatever
1: it's gonna be a seafood cooking show
0: (laughs) that should be our main discussion next week if there's nothing like big that (laughs) happens is like we should take a name of a bunch of networks and just pull them out of a hat and be like, if Marvel did a show for HSN, what would it be? <laughs> yes. yes. I, actually, I actually really like that idea. That may well happen next week. So
1: <laughs> That's definitely, we need to keep that for some week. Especially if we have another slow week.
0: Yeah. And if you guys are listening every week, uh, I don't know what next week is going to be. I'm pretty sure that in two weeks, um, with Logan hitting theaters, we're going to do a, um, big conversation about X-Men and do we want X-Men in the MCU? And if we do, how should they handle it? And all that kind of stuff. So if you're a big X-Men fan, I think that's going to be our conversation coming up.
1: So. Ooh, I'll have to start thinking about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. I think the biggest question is um, mutants make a lot of sense if they've always been around. Yeah. But it's going to be weird if all of a sudden you can't, like, have the first ones being discovered and they're all 18, I don't think. You know, like, Professor X needs to have been around for a while, if nothing else. So, But anyways, we'll have that conversation in the future. Um, yes. Rihanna, go ahead and give them your Twitter info and all that kind of stuff.
1: Alright. So you can find me on the Twitter as Shot of Patrone. And also if you're just like trying to figure out who I am with the articles, I have, I guess this past week, taken a pseudonym. Just so there's no perception of impropriety at work of Brooklyn Wallace. So that's still me. I'm still writing for the site. I just took a pseudonym of Brooklyn. Um,
0: and if you're Rhiannon's boss listening to this, don't well, listen to this.
1: <laughs> it's <less> my boss. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, um, and it's more that I would, like, write articles in the evening and then they would be published the next day at 9 a.m. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I have a lot of clients that I'm doing work for and I would hate for them to, yeah. like, yeah. I have a lot of people that pass in and out. Like, I work with a lot of different people and I'd hate to, like, make somebody mad and then Google my name and be like, oh, my God, she was writing this, like, comic book story. Right, when she was supposed to be working on my stuff so
0: particularly like when you do a feature and it's like really long like i just did a um a beginner's guide to the mcu and it's like a 2000 word article or something and it was posted like a long time after i wrote it but it could look like i had been like writing it all day that day you know so i get that totally
1: yeah, so that's just I, it's something I've been putting off for a long time, and um, I, I I decided to not wait until it was an issue to go ahead and do it. So Brooklyn Wallace, um, but and and you know send me all of your thoughts on Twitter as Shada Patron,
0: and I'm on Twitter as at Caleb A Borchers B O R C H. ERS, um, and so feel free to send me stuff too. You can use hashtag MCUXPod, MCUEXPOD. Um, you can also send stuff via the website or via SoundCloud. Please continue to subscribe and download and listen. Uh, share it with your friends if you have people that you know love Marvel and Marvel movies and all this kind of stuff. We'd love for you to um, share it with them and help us to build our listenership um, and all that kind of stuff. And I think reviews on uh, iTunes is helpful as well. So all that good stuff, please support us. We appreciate it. I think that's it for now. Until next time, you
1: guys have a great weekend and we'll see you next week. Bye.